Welcome back to Never Alone. In this episode, we will be talking about a frozen embryo transfer. And this is probably the most common type of transfers, but there are fresh transfers Mm -hmm. uh, that your doctor might recommend for your specific case. But in today's episode, we will just be talking about frozen transfers. So we'll kind of start with, you know, preparing for the transfer, what the timeline looks like, what uh, the meds beforehand look like, the procedure itself, and then after a transfer, a little bit about what to expect. So with the transfer, you can move into one right after an egg retrieval. So egg retrieval, waiting on potentially genetic testing, and then kind of like starting your protocol right away and like rolling right through. Or you can do an egg retrieval, like take some time off, which is we've done both of these. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which for those who don't know, when we say like roll right through, yeah, that process is actually still really long. Yes. Good I point. think I at the beginning thought because our first egg retrieval and transfer was back to back. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be like two month process, right? But no, it's no, like no. four. It's like a four month process. Yeah. So roll right through makes it sound quick, but <laughs> I guess just like not giving yourself a break at all. Yes. Um, whereas with our son, we did our retrieval in April, and then we did our transfer in like the end of July. Mm-hmm. So we kind of like had some time over the summer and just felt like I had done two retrievals and some IUIs. Like I just needed a minute and I'm thankful for that time, but also know that it's really hard to wait. Yeah. And then also you may have frozen eggs or embryos rather, frozen embryos for subsequent (laughs) children or just transfers completely unrelated to an egg retrieval. Yeah. So I guess to break that down, we're saying say you do an egg retrieval and you get three embryos Mm -hmm. and you go straight into your first transfer, say that becomes a living child. Mm -hmm. Well, you still have two embryos left that are frozen. Right. So if you would like to try again, you like two years later, two years later, you just go straight into a transfer. Right. Which is a lot less taxing than doing all of it at once. Yes. Yeah. And we've done both too. You know, Mm -hmm. we went right into one for... A few of ours, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then we also obviously took breaks and waited. Mm -hmm. And I would definitely say the ones that were right after an egg retrieval were the hardest. Yeah. Because it is a lot on your body. Yeah. Your body goes through so much with the medication. Mm -hmm. And I would just say just like mentally and Mm -hmm. physically, Mm -hmm. it's a really long period of where it's just – it's taxing. Yeah. So for sure, if you were only doing a transfer, it is somewhat less stressful. It's Mm -hmm. less invasive to your body. Mm -hmm. It's still challenging in a lot of areas, but I do think it's somewhat better. Yeah. And it's hard because especially if you don't have any children yet, you're like, oh, I just, I don't want to wait any longer than we've already had to wait. Yeah. But knowing your body, I think, and not even, I mean, you just don't even know what the process is going to entail. But Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I definitely agree that it's a lot to do it all back to back. Um, But I feel like that's what is usually offered to us. Mm -hmm. Like, I think when we did a break, that was 
unusual. Yeah. And your doctor also might prescribe or recommend doing two retrievals back to back, Mm -hmm. either for your age or just other scenarios. And yeah, that happened to us. That's really taxing on your body too. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I had done the one retrieval, well, taken all the medicine and then it was canceled and then did the second round of meds, one embryo. mm -hmm. And so our doctor was like, actually it would be a, you know, my recommendation to move forward with another egg retrieval. And this is already coming off of like IUIs and then taking you know, meds for two months Mm -hmm. and she was not wrong on paper based on, you know, we've, we've talked about needing like two to three embryos for every living child. And we were very fortunate that our one embryo resulted in, you know, a pregnancy and live birth. And that's why we're kind of going through things again, that like, if we had done it then, then maybe we wouldn't, you know, have to do this again. But for us, for our family, you know, for our marriage, it was right at the time. Mm -hmm. But that's actually why we ended up taking a break because we were planning on moving through with another uh, retrieval and then changed our minds. And so we were already kind of like on this break. It wasn't that we were like so wise and discerning that we needed the time. It kind of um, happened naturally. Yeah. So I wish it was that we were like, we need a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we'll just kind of start by getting into before you even start maybe taking medication, yeah, is there anything that you would recommend people doing or taking to better their chances? Yes. And I know we have opinions and they've evolved throughout our journeys. Like in the very beginning, leading up to our first embryo transfer, I know I've mentioned this a million times, but just like very rigid diet and very just scared that anything I did wrong would mess it up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that I've changed my outlook and realized that I don't have that much control over the success. Well, I think it's a great idea to eat healthy. I, you know, I was doing things like drinking pomegranate juice and Brazil nuts and like all things that are supposed to help with your lining. And again, like there's nothing that's going to hurt you by doing that, but this, you know, in, in following transfers, like it felt like more work than like, I wasn't excited about doing it. So it didn't feel right to include. Um, I was the same way at the beginning. I did all the things too. You know, Mm -hmm. I remember after the transfer, I would tell my husband, I have to have socks on all the time. (laughs) Yeah. It's got to have warm feet. Why? And I was like, that's the thing. You have to have warm feet. Right. And so I was really big about that or, Mm -hmm. you know, the pineapple, core. Right. Like I would make a smoothie every morning mm-hmm. with a pineapple core in mm-hmm. it. And now looking back, I'm like, it was crazy for me yeah. to do that. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was right there with you. And I think it's like, whatever makes you feel good. Yeah. I'm just being honest with yourself about like what feels good. But yes, like the keeping the feet warm or leading up to the transfer, keeping your uterus warm. Yes. So like using a heat pack, which like, honestly, that kind of feels nice. Yeah. So I I don't, you know, again, it's like if it's not adding too much stress, but I think we've both learned that the goal is to reduce stress Mm -hmm. and take care of your mental health more than anything. Like eating a Brazil nut is way less important than having peace. Yes. So 
I think from like saying that we have experience that that would be our biggest piece of advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, what are some of the ways that you feel like you were able to manage your mental health leading up to transfers? I would say exercise mm-hmm. is really big for me. I enjoy exercise. It makes me feel good. It's kind of like an outlet. And so, you know, whether that was just like a long walk mm-hmm. or just a short little exercise at home, but I would exercise. Journaling was mm-hmm. really big for me. I'm not a journaler on a regular basis, but I would say throughout this process, it really was helpful just to get my thoughts on page. Mm-hmm. So journaling, um, counseling, of course, mm-hmm. um, good sleep. Mm-hmm. I did try to eat healthy, yeah, but I was never psycho about it. Like yeah. I was, you know, if we went out to dinner, I would definitely eat whatever was there. Yeah. So. Pasta for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What no, I would I would agree with that. I would say definitely the journaling. Yeah. I would say that's my number one. And I feel like that's the advice that I give people who ask. Movement, of course, sleep if possible, of course. Yeah. Counseling was definitely super helpful. And I think just this general idea of taking care of yourself and your marriage mm-hmm. because it can be, you know, hard yeah. on your marriage. Um But I think we definitely tried to have like fun, fun things, Um, both like within the egg retrieval, like leading up to egg retrieval and transfer. And so like we've done concerts the week of and then or just like special date nights. Like I remember Griffin took me to the botanical gardens like we had never been there um, before an egg retrieval and just, or trips even, Mm -hmm. um, prior to like our last transfer, we did just like a little getaway and just things like that, that, um, kind of like having sweet time as a couple, I feel like is what's been helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think some like tactical things too are, you know, obviously, making sure you're being healthy, but then things like self-care, massage, or like a facial. I definitely did like to do acupuncture prior Mm -hmm. to egg retrieval and um, both before and after the transfer. Again, we've talked about this before, but like I enjoy acupuncture. It's relaxing to me. Not for you. <laughs> Not for me. Yeah. But facial for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, sign me up. Sign me up for all of it. <laughs> but yeah, I think that there's really only so much you can do. Yeah. And I think the internet will tell you differently. Yes. And of course, it's like you want a child so bad, you're willing to do anything, but you, you've you already done all the hard stuff. Yeah. Um, and now it's just like taking care of you. Yeah. And I feel like that's not really the message that's pushed Right. It's like you need to be on these certain supplements and like have this diet and other people might have other opinions, but our opinion would be that that isn't going to alter the outcome as much as just having a low stress level. So just to kind of get into the timeline a little bit, Madison, walk us through that. Yeah. So you'll probably start with a period as everything starts, unfortunately. (laughs) The only time you're excited to get your period. Yes, that is very true. This will be the only time you're excited to get your period. Right. But it normally takes around four to six weeks, depending on your protocol. 
you will have lining checks and that's just um, an ultrasound for them to check your lining to see if it's thick. And then you will start your meds. So you will be like on estrogen, progesterone, could be on several other medications like a blood thinner or um, metformin. I'm trying to think of other meds that you could possibly yeah, be on. Yeah, steroids. So steroids. Like I've been on prednisone yep. or antibiotics. Antibiotics for sure. Yep, mm-hmm. we did antibiotics. Yeah. Um, so baby aspirin. It, baby aspirin. There's a lot of yeah. different meds that you could possibly be on. But the main two would be estrogen and progesterone. Yes. So anyways, you'll take your meds. You'll have your lining checks. And I don't want to say this is a straightforward process because it's not mm-hmm. – your transfer could get canceled for a few different reasons, whether that is your lining or unfortunately the embryo not being thawed correctly, or there's, I mean, there's a, a wide variety of reasons that your transfer could not go through. So to say that if your transfer does end up moving forward and everything is looking good, it does feel like this process has less steps. Yeah. Less steps. And usually like less shots. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're on medicine for longer, but less appointments. Yeah. It's definitely a little bit and you're more like a little bit more excited. Yeah. You know, you're, you're like one step closer to being pregnant. So in comparison to the retrieval. Retrieval. Yeah. 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 So you'll most likely get your transfer date once you start your period, but you won't get the time. Right. And the time is not available until I think two days before. Yeah. Which is kind of unfortunate for planning purposes. But I will say they are somewhat flexible in your transfer date because I actually don't really know why they're flexible. (laughs) It's still a little confusing to me, but they are able to do it within a certain window. So if for some reason you have a big trip planned and you can't cancel it, they might be able to squeeze it a, le- a week later. Yeah. They can manipulate the yeah. meds to – I mean, they did that for us. Yeah. We had a trip and they are like, no big deal. Like, we'll do it the week later. And, I mean, obviously you're like, what? But Yeah, it feels a little weird. But it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, you will eventually get your time. You'll go into the clinic two hours before with a full bladder – They'll eventually call you back to the transfer room, which is a different room than an IUI and an egg retrieval. Mm -hmm. They will do an ultrasound in the transfer room to check everything to see if they can see everything and your bladder is full so that they're able to see on the ultrasound as well as see through the catheter. Yes. And next, your... Doctor will perform the procedure, but the the embryologist will bring out your embryo and they'll show it to you, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then they will insert it. And this is the same procedure as similar to a pap smear. So they'll take a catheter and they will insert it and you will watch it on the monitor. Mm-hmm. And it's a really cool moment. I yeah. mean, it's really special. I would say it's really special. Mm-hmm. It does still feel a little odd mm-hmm. under all the circumstances, but you'll lay there for a few minutes and then you will go about your normal day. Yeah. I think what you were saying about that, it, it is a sweet day. I was surprised by that, like, because everything else is like sort of bittersweet. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, like we're making progress. Yeah. But like, we don't know what we're going to find at this appointment. Yeah. Whereas this is like, 
Not that any of us would choose this route. It is kind of neat that you get to like meet your embryo in a way. Mm -hmm. That's not something that you obviously would experience naturally. So I do think that's kind of like a little bit of like a special, you know, no matter what happens to the pregnancy, it's just kind of like a sweet Thing. It is. It yeah. is. And you know, we've, me and my husband have done a lot of transfers and I would say they have all been really great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't go in the transfer room and like have PTSD or have bad yeah. memories or it doesn't seem like a traumatizing place. Like it really is a sweet, special place for us. And mm-hmm. not to say that that's everybody's story, but for us, it really was a sweet moment and it's a sweet place. And even if every transfer didn't end up in a living child, it's still out of the whole process Mm -hmm. would be the best part. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. And one thing that we didn't mention was, and kind of just like circling back, it all ties together of, you know, keeping like a relaxed state and being as, stress-free as possible. Um, most clinics will also offer a Valium on the day of the transfer and very specific to your personality, whether or not you think it would be helpful or harmful to take. Like if you would, or someone that would like stress about the effects. Yes. You definitely want. That's probably why I forgot to mention it because I never took the Valium. (laughs) Yes. And I always take the Valium. (laughs) (laughs) But it's because I was more concerned that it would like make me feel weird. Yeah. And I wouldn't be myself. Right. And I would be more anxious about the medicine in my body than I would not. Right. And so my doctor and my nurse actually agreed. They were like, I actually think you shouldn't take it because of your personality. Right. And it's all, yeah, for me, like it helped me relax and they want your uterus as relaxed as possible. Yes. So that's kind of why we're on this track of like (laughs) relaxation and stress management because I mean, at the end of the day, like they want your body to be relaxed, to Mm -hmm. accept the embryo, the embryo. Yeah. Um, so obviously you have to decide if it would be helpful or hurtful for you, but, um, Kind of, you know, after the transfer, what does that look like? Yeah. So after the transfer, you are able to go about your normal day, Mm -hmm. resume activity, whatever that looks like for you. And funny story about that. What? I feel like different doctors say different things. Totally. We've talked about this before, how your doctor recommended the opposite of what my doctor recommended. Yes. So this is funny. My doctor recommended us having sex after, (laughs) after a transfer because he said it was a way for you to bond as a couple. Yeah. And it makes sense. Yeah. And he was like, it's not going to harm the embryo at all. Right. And he was like, if y'all are feeling it, do it. But like no pressure. You don't have to do it. Right. Whereas Um, like on our paperwork, it wasn't specific orders from our doctor, but on our like post-transfer, it was like no intercourse until a positive pregnancy test or something like that. So it was like no intercourse. Yeah. That is very interesting. Yeah. So your doctor will definitely have their own opinion on what you should do afterwards. Some doctors might even say like no physical activity. Right. Whereas my doctor is like opposite. She's like, I don't feel like there's research around bed rest. I would say, you know, try not to be lifting anything super heavy, but go about your normal activity. Whereas like other doctors might be like, 
you need 36 hours of rest. Yeah. So there's definitely different um, opinions. Yes, totally. So you will go home and resume normal <laughs> activities, whatever that looks like for you and your doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you wait, which is a really hard. So hard. A hard, hard nine days. Yes. Is your office nine days? Yes. Okay. Ten. Ten. Ours is nine yeah. or ten, depending yeah. on, I guess, what um, mm-hmm. day it falls on. Yeah. But you will wait nine or 10 days to go in for your first beta test. Mm -hmm. And it's a very long nine or 10 days. And beta test is blood work to see how much HCG, which is a pregnancy hormone, is in your blood. Yes. So it's pretty much your first test to tell if you're pregnant or Mm -hmm. not. But I feel like a lot of people listening would say that's an advantage that you only have to wait nine days. Mm -hmm. And I would say... Maybe, but at the same time, it feels a lot longer because of everything you did beforehand. Yes. And that's like a whole other thing is even after that of just finding out so early all of the like conflicting emotions, whether or not it's positive or negative. Um, it's not it's not pure joy. There's just so much yeah. Like sunken cost and work that you've prepared for for this transfer, um, that you never really feel like in the clear, yeah. Um, even if things are successful, but that week of waiting, I think, is one of the hardest, yeah. and also deciding whether or not you're going to test at home. And I have friends who have waited. Well, I feel like you, you're one that waits, whereas <laughs> I'm like as as soon as possible. Yes, and as soon as possible, tell everybody. Some yeah. people can test as early as I tested at like four days after. Four days post. Four transfer. or five, yeah. Um, and some people can get an accurate result then. Yeah, your doctors would obviously say, yeah, no, it's not. Accurate. Any doctor listening would be like, <laughs> do not do that. But yeah. uh, but a lot of women do do that, right? So you can take an at-home pregnancy test and potentially get a correct result. Mm-hmm. Or you can wait for your blood test. I I actually think for all of mine, waited till the day before mm-hmm. my first beta. Which I think is what I would tell somebody to do. I just was very impatient. Um, well, I think, I mean, I think the reason is if you test early, you're still going to be anxious because you're not going to know if it's a hundred percent or not. Whereas a blood test, you will know. Exactly. And so I think that was my mentality of like, I don't want to put myself through extra. And why it's not a hundred percent is it could be a chemical pregnancy. Correct. Yeah. So I always waited till the day before to Mm -hmm. do an at home test just because I didn't want to be thrown off at the blood test. Yeah. But I did want to wait till the last day. Yeah. No, I think that that would be the ideal. <laughs> that would be the ideal scenario. Um, but yeah, I think even just in the weeks following the transfer, there's just so many things we could talk about, but staying busy would be the biggest piece of advice, mm-hmm. like continuing with journaling and movement and whatever makes you feel good. And I would say like trying to have a full social calendar where you don't have to be drinking. Mm-hmm. So I know that's kind of yeah. can be tricky sometimes. Um, but yeah, just like making fun plans to yeah. try to pass the time. In closing, the transfer process is a little bit lighter than the egg retrieval, um, although still lots of appointments, blood work, shots, medicines, all the things. Um, 
usually around four to six weeks. I think our biggest piece of advice is find what helps you stay stress-free and focus on just self-care and time with your husband and just kind of relinquishing control that not, not doing something, you know, most likely isn't going to alter the, the outcome of your transfer. Yeah. If you have any questions about anything we've talked about or just in general around um, embryo transfers, there's a lot we didn't cover. Definitely reach out to us at Never Alone Infertility. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. And thanks for listening.